0: This episode of the APA podcast is brought to you by Northeastern University's School of Public Policy and Urban Affairs. Make an impact in your community and on your career. Northeastern University's School of Public Policy and Urban Affairs trains future and current leaders, policymakers, researchers, and citizens to better address critical public issues. Attend a monthly virtual information session to learn more about their suite of graduate programs. Visit northeastern.edu slash policy school to register for an event. In late February, the Federal Communications Commission voted 3-2 to two to allow some towns and cities the ability to create or expand their broadband infrastructure. The decision was based on two petitions, one from Wilson, North Carolina, and the other from Chattanooga, Tennessee. While the decision overturns the restrictions in both of these cities, it doesn't apply to other states. In total, about 20 states currently have laws blocking municipalities from competing with private telecom companies in setting up broadband infrastructure. I'm Mike Johnson with the American Planning Association. Joining us today is Roger Lentz, AICP. Roger is the Chief Planning and Development Officer for the City of Wilson, North Carolina, and also serves on the Board of Directors of the American Planning Association. Also joining us today is Will Acock, General Manager for Greenlight Community Broadband. Greenlight is the community-owned, fiber-to-the-home broadband network for Wilson, North Carolina. Thank you both for taking the time to speak with us today.
1: Great. Happy to
0: do it. Yep. Thank you. Great. So first, Roger, I'd like to start with you. Can you tell us a little bit, uh, just in general, about the city of Wilson and, and maybe why it led this uh, charge for change on the issue?
2: Sure. So... Um You know, for the listeners, uh, Wilson is uh, about 45 miles uh, east of Raleigh between the cities of uh, Greenville, home of East Carolina University, and and the city of Raleigh, Um, and it's out in a – but it's not a a suburban uh, community by any means, uh, you know, to Raleigh. It's a a standalone, full-service city, be surprising to some is for a city of, uh, 50,000 people has more people to in commute for work, uh, than out commute for work. So, um, you know, it's a full service city. Uh, it's got a lot of, uh, industrial, uh, employers and, and it is actually the back office area for the seventh largest bank in America, BB&T. So have a lot of employment here. And, um, that's a change from, from when Wilson started as an agricultural community. Uh, you know this this is an agricultural area surrounding us uh tobacco uh still important in this area but you know wilson was once known as the world's largest uh tobacco market so we're in the middle of agricultural country here in eastern north carolina um and 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 with that comes <clears throat> challenges of of, of poverty and, and other things that go along uh, you know with that so we're, while we're we're not quite urban to the census definition we have urban issues um, um, but we're also an employment center for uh, you know the region around us, and so that's probably what led us to start thinking about this infrastructure um, uh, of, of broadband technology. Is, is the fact that you know we see moving forward, uh, especially with our employer, you know, such as t with all this back office work, is is this connectivity to the rest of the world is is extremely important, and we also see that. For uh, like our downtown where this historic tobacco market used to be and it's no longer there. We have a lot of vacancies so how do we attract young entrepreneurial people that would be interested in living um, in a traditional uh, downtown um, and yet be able to make a living and so this this broadband uh, technology gigabit network is something that can help us with uh, the economic development and revitalization um, of our community and, and serve existing employers as well as attracting future employers we have a a great life sciences uh, sector in in pharmaceutical manufacturing um, automotive manufacturing with uh, Bridgestone Americas here with a large uh, manufacturing plant so uh, this technology was one to preserve what we have and hopefully expand um, and be able to attract others Um, because it's really a kind of a check the box thing now in economic development do you have broadband or not
0: Great. Now, so, so Will, I'd like to turn to you. For the sake of those uh, listening who may not know exactly what kind of a service a municipal broadband system provides, can you give us uh, you know, like a quick overview of what that entails?
1: Sure. Well, I guess to start with sort of a technical answer, it's a uh, fiber-to-the-home system, which means we run fiber optic cable uh, past every location, every address in the city. And it allows us to provide a symmetrical gigabit service, uh, which is... And much faster than what is typically available across the United States. And very important there is the symmetrical nature of the service, meaning that the upload is equivalent to the download. Um, and that is important because in today's world, so many people are involved in creative endeavors where they need to, to share content that they're creating. And so, you know, a true next-generation broadband network has that symmetrical characteristic. Um, for a, uh, an analogy, you can think Google Fiber brought to you by your city. Um, But it's more than that. Uh, Municipal broadband networks also support the the inner workings of a community. Uh, It supports police and fire from the perspective of doing things like providing surveillance cameras, uh, providing mobile emergency command trailers where they can move uh, assets out in the field and connect directly into the gigabit backbone. Uh, It's supporting smart grid, allowing us to more efficiently and effectively manage our electric, water, and natural gas systems. So really, you know, it's many things, but serving the residential customer, serving our small businesses, major employers, school system, and then supporting the the workings of the overall community.
0: Great. So I want to move back to the recent FCC decision Um, with Wilson being really, you know, the focal point uh, community in in the decision along with Chattanooga. How have, and either one of you can, can take this question, how have the local residents, and businesses responded since the FCC decision?
1: Well, I'll give one specific example of a response, which is a local small business, and they provide uh, value-added services that work particularly well across the municipal network like ours, so disaster recovery, cloud solutions, hosted services. And their response has been, how quickly can you expand into the surrounding uh, communities? Because in many of the communities around Wilson, the current network infrastructure is not sufficient to allow them to sell the services that they provide <clears throat> and so the response has been extremely favorable from them um you know, our biggest challenge being you know keeping up with the demand of where people want us to expand the service and
2: and today you know we had a breakfast meeting with our council today and our, our city manager uh, grant goings um shared that i mean he's been getting emails um from across the country ceos of companies and mayors of other cities in the country uh, you know, congratulating us on the decision, and, and hopefully, and while that decision, like you said, was just for Chattanooga and Wilson at this point, um, I think the hope of others is that this is going to begin to open the doors uh, for them as well.
0: Um, I know here, uh, APA, we had a national public opinion poll uh, last year, and it found that, that broadband connectivity was a significant factor for people, especially millennials, uh, in their decision of where they, they want to live and start businesses. Are you seeing this same sort of connection there in Wilson?
1: Uh, we absolutely are. Uh, one specific example is the company uh, Exodus FX. Uh, they do visual effects for major Hollywood productions uh, such as Black Swan, Captain America, uh, some HBO shows. And they started their business out in uh, Los Angeles and wanted to move back to the East Coast. Um, and they looked around trying to find you know the optimal location to site their business and ultimately decided to come to wilson specifically and explicitly because of the broadband infrastructure so you know they wanted the lower cost of living they wanted the quality of life uh, that a community like wilson has to offer but they wouldn't have come here and they couldn't have come here if it were not for the the network infrastructure to support their their commercial endeavors you know
2: we we see that here even with 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 locals um, you know, we often ask, uh, you know, for example, our graduating high school students, they always interview that the top high school students are going off to college and, you know, are you going to come back? And in years past, that answer was almost universally, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think I'm going to come back. I think oh, I'll probably move to a city like Raleigh or whatever if they got the, uh, the sorts of things that I want. Um, and, and, I'm actually seeing that tide change when we start asking that question where, um, people are saying, well, you know, gosh, I, I, I have all this, this, Activity and I'm starting to see improvements in the downtown and I'm starting to see um, improvements in the park systems, for example, that we're doing. And so you, you are starting to see uh, maybe some tide turning and, and it's, I think broadband certainly enables that, but I think we've always looked at this community is it's not broadband alone, it's a package of things um, that we can provide uh, like a more lively downtown or revitalized historic districts and, and all those things are working together to make our community uh, more attractive.
0: Great. So, um, to kind of to step back uh, a little bit more and looking at this as a as a planning issue, um, Roger, I guess I'll ask you: uh, How significant of a planning issue is uh, broadband infrastructure, and do you think planners are, are paying enough attention currently?
2: Um, you know, I, I, I think that I think there's some that understand it. The question is, how can we lead? On the, on the topic, and, you know, and I'll have to admit, you know, I came to Wilson in 2007 and they had already been talking about this broadband uh, system. Um, it, it, it was not on my radar back in, in, in 2007 as a significant issue until I, I came to this community and I had and been in a metropolitan area in Charlotte where, you know, the feeling was the private marketplace uh, would kind of take care of this. Um, and, and probably in Charlotte, that's true. But in, in rural areas, um, that's certainly not the truth. And in fact, uh, you know, here, we, the, the community had tried to partner first with a private company and, and it didn't work out. And so as a planner, if that's the case, you know, we have to decide, are we going to let investment decisions of private investor-owned companies essentially decide the fate of our communities? And I think the answer to that has to be no, we have to, you know, communities have to decide, um, you know, and there's certainly risk involved in building a system like this, but they have to decide if it's essential, um, just as electricity or water and sewer were, um, back when, when cities began building in those systems. And in Wilson, we've decided the answer to that question is yes. Um, that, that this is a a critical piece of infrastructure and the only way that we could have gotten it to every house in this, in this city would be if we built it. Um, and you can look to Raleigh, for example. Um, there's a co- There's some suburban communities in the Raleigh market where Google Fiber just announced they're going, and they're not gonna serve every community in that metropolitan area. And these are well-to-do uh, suburban communities that are being left out of that investment decision. And, and so you're gonna end up with some haves and have-nots. And so I think planners have to pay attention to that Um, So even if you're in a metropolitan area, this is an important issue and and should be looking at, you know, what ways can the city either deploy this um, for internal services or deploy this in a way that can help their their citizens? Because from an economic development standpoint, our our local economic development uh, council will tell you that when they respond to these questionnaires from companies, um, one of the questions on that is do you provide robust, broadband connectivity and if the answer to that question is no then the company moves on to the next the next community so it's truly as i said in the intro it's becoming a sort of a check the box requirement just as as water and sewer have been for industries uh, of, the, of you know earlier times so mm-hmm. I, I do think planners do need to pay attention to this and and should be starting those conversations in their community Um, It it, it probably should be a topic in in people's comprehensive plans about, you know, how are we going to address these issues of uh, connectivity? And it's really addressing uh, the FCC has put out the challenge. They want to have gigabit communities all across this country, and and planners can certainly lead the conversation on uh, getting communities interested in making that investment.
0: Absolutely. And so um, getting back to sort of your experience there and now, with, you know, it's been an official decision. I I noticed on the city's press uh, statement that was released following the FCC decision um, that Wilson will now be able to, quote, share its experience, knowledge, and expertise with other communities to help foster the growth of critical economic infrastructure for their businesses and residents, end quote. So obviously you mentioned earlier you're getting calls from mayors and other people who are interested And you guys are sort of at the forefront of this, uh, you know, being the participants or the petitioners uh, in in this case. So if you're starting to get the calls now, and I imagine that that will continue, um, what kind of advice would you offer?
1: So, you know, the first thing, let me say that this was never about being first for our community. It was about not being left behind. And we are absolutely seeing a great deal of interest uh, from many communities both across the state and really nationally on this topic. And uh, I think everyone is realizing that the specific model that they may deploy may vary from ours, but every community has a vested interest in making sure that they're not on the wrong side of the digital divide. And so with that, yes, I think there's going to be a lot more interest um, across the board. And our advice would be, you know, not to go it alone. Uh, Wilson is not unique. There are many communities across this nation that have already gotten involved in this issue. Uh, There are a lot of people who have gained valuable experience and have expertise to share. And so, you know, the first piece of advice is is to reach out, to learn from those who have gone before, and be willing to talk to all parties. Um, Certainly the environment has changed over the last several years, and I think there's a lot of different models that communities can employ to potentially bring this infrastructure to their citizens and that they should evaluate all of those options.
0: All right, well, thanks. Uh, where can people go if they want to learn more about both uh, the City of Wilson and uh, the Greenlight Broadband Network?
2: So, um, yeah, our, the, of course, the city's uh, website is um, uh, wilsonnc.org, and that'll take you to the City of Wilson's uh, uh, homepage. Uh, There and people can check us out. Um, And, of course, our contact information uh, would also be um, on there. And and, and there's also a specific uh, web
1: address uh, for for Greenlight, um, which, uh, Will, I think you've got that. Yeah, it's uh, greenlightnc.com.
0: Great. Well, Roger and Will, uh, I really want to thank you both again for chatting with us today.
1: Yeah, Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: If you are interested in following this policy issue as it continues to unfold, stay tuned to APA's policy blog at blogs.planning.org policy. And for more information on broadband from a planning perspective, check out APA's Planning Advisory Service Report number 569 titled Planning and in Broadband, Infrastructure, Policy, and Sustainability, available at planning.org. I'm Mike Johnson. Thanks for tuning in.